I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, as we turn to our Bibles, in the book of Matthew, the chapter will be chapter 20. I'll read only two verses, 26 and 27. That's Matthew 20, verse 26 and 27. There it is. It says, but it shall not be so among you. But it shall not be so among you. But whatsoever will be great among you. Let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you. Let him be your servant. Amen. Is it very clear? The greatest is the one that serves the most. Shall we bow our heads? Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you this afternoon for your grace and mercy. You made it possible for us to be here. For that, we thank you, Father. And dear God, as we have gone through the scripture, we are depending on you for a divine interpretation. The messenger in the end time warned us that you are your own interpreter. You don't need any man-made interpretations. And I believe even tonight is no exception. You don't need any man-made interpretations. We just want to commit the reading of the word to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. As you take your seats, our flight will run exactly for 45 minutes. Amen. Uh, I just want to speak on, I think Brother Bram spoke on the message, leadership two two times. And one of the messages was just one of the few last few five messages that he preached before he could depart. Amen. So that's what I would want to speak on this evening. And maybe just quoting what he said in the message, the leadership. He said, now, paragraph 23, he preached this on the 31st of October, 1965. He says, now, somebody helped you when you made your first step. How many agree that? And your last step you ever make in life somebody will be leading you. That means your first step, somebody helped you, and your very last step here on earth, somebody has got to help you. He says, I want you to remember that your first step, somebody led you, and your last step, somebody will be leading you. Amen. Now, he goes further in the very same message explaining what he meant by somebody leading you, at the first step and somebody that will lead you at the last step. He says in paragraph 27, the first is the mother's kindness, then the father's weight. Amen. I, I know that in our time we, we, there is debates of patriarchal society and matriarchal society. Uh, we don't participate in that. We participate on the word of God. Amen. 
easy. I, I believe that a man is the head of the family. I believe that a man is the head of the family. Amen. Amen. Doesn't the Bible say so? Amen. The beauty, uh, uh, if, you, if you want to protest about that, you, you make us question your decision as a woman because you are the one that accepts your headship. Isn't so? Amen. Uh, are you here, sisters? Yes, sir. Uh, you choose your own head. It's not imposed by the church. You choose your own head. And if your head is not straight, it makes your decision was not straight. And we cannot change the word of God to suit for your own compromise choice. Uh, are you still with me? That means you are the one. That is why I will emphasize this. A sister in the message has got a scriptural right to say no or yes. Uh, are you with me? Why, why, are we, why are we giving you that scriptural right? Is because once you have accepted, then you need to accept that you are coming under the headship of the man that you chose. Are, are you with me? And the problem is if you... If you think you can improve a chameleon in a marriage and make it a butterfly, it is your own problem. A chameleon remains a chameleon before marriage and remains a chameleon in the marriage. It's not going to morph and become a butterfly. Are you with me? So you've got to make a decision and it has to be a sober decision. Amen. A godly woman is not ashamed to say, this is my husband. I trust his decisions. I trust his leadership. Are we together? And actually, every man that, are, that makes a move and marries a woman, that man assumes leadership. Every man must be a leader in their own families. And even if we read about this, you can realize that the chaos that we have at the national level, it began in the family because of poor leadership in the family. Then that move from the family, it went into the church. That move from the church, it went into the community until it reached the national level. Are we together? That is why, scripturally, that is why the Bible says, he that cannot lead his family, how can he lead the house of the Lord? That means the, the, how you lead your family qualifies you for a scriptural position or disqualifies you. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Now, then Brother Ham says the first is the mother's kindness. There is just a way. Uh, no matter how, how, how lovely you can be as a man, there is a language that a, an infant or a baby understands, and that language can only be spoken by the mother. So there is a certain calmness that a mother's presence brings upon a child. A father cannot bring exactly the same calmness or it would not have the same effect upon the baby. Are we together? And there is a relationship that mothers have with their children. I mean, if, if, if the children were to choose between the father and the mother, they will choose the mother unless it is really a monster. Amen. So it says, the first is the mother's kindness. Then the father's weight. After the mother gives you your first step, then you look to your daddy. 
all of us for wisdom because he is the head of the house. Are you still with me? And the danger part because 65% of households in South Africa do not have a male figure. And that is where criminality creep in on a, on, a, on a national level. That is why youngsters end up in prison because there is a lack of a male figure. Are you? And actually, I can take it further that even a homosexual spirit is taking advantage of the absence of the male figure, and that is why they turn out to be sissified, some of the young boys, because they've got no one that they can look up to. Are you still with me? Uh, sisters, let me put it for what it is. A man can never be replaced. A man can never be replaced. A role of a man in the family can never be replaced. Are you still with me? Uh, but I'm talking, uh, as much as brothers can say amen to that, but I'm talking to about a man of substance. S- some men who can replace them. Uh, and uh, for you to be replaceable, it depends on your conduct as a man. Uh, are you still with me? And that is why we need to say you can be a head as long as you are under the head. And if, a head, if you're a headless man, you've got no right to be a head. Are you still with me? Why? The greatest leaders are those that are led. So you've got to find a leader, and the leader of a man has got to be the Holy Ghost. And when you've got the Holy Ghost, then you know how to lead your family. Are you still with me? And Brother in Marriage and Divorce says, we will lead our families by the weight, not by tradition, by the weight, not by politics, by the weight. Are we together? Not with an iron fist, by the weight. And it further goes on and says, with love. Are you still with me? Now, he says, then then the child, from the mother's kindness, he looks to the father's wisdom because he is the head of the family. Not that he is any smarter. Not that he is any smarter. And I, I can put it for you, while Brother Brenham put it very well. Uh, intellectually, your wife could be better than you. Yes, if we were to do an IQ, your wife can fare much better than you do. Uh, hallelujah. But despite her intelligence, it be, despite her intellect, God has instilled in a godly woman a sense of submissiveness. But remember, they don't just submit, they've got to submit to something of substance. He's just made, he is just made a leader of his family. So we follow what our daddy says. He says, now son, I would like you for you to do a certain thing. Then we listen to him because it's wisdom. And remember, brother says, the mother's side comes kindness. The father's side comes wisdom. But the children have got a tendency to bring a conflict between wisdom and kindness. They've got a way to go to the mother and appeal to her empathy and sympathy and make you change what the father has put in the family as a law. Are you still with me? A godly woman knows that I will not be a tool that my children are going to use to undermine my husband in my family. And actually, if you feel that something has got to be changed, if the father said something must be done, and you feel it is unreasonable, 
then you need to take it with the father, not in the audience of the children, and try to convince the father that, no, I don't think it's the best way. I will, I will imagine if we do it this way, it would be better. Because what's happening, if he says, we are not going at such and such place, and the children come around and speak to the mother, and the mother comes to the father, and the next morning it changes, then the child knows that whatever he says will not stand. I've got a way to go to the mother. The mother will change it. What happens? Then you've got a headless man in the family. Do these things that I'm talking about, does it ring a bell? Now, we listen to him because it's wisdom. But listen, he has learned a whole lot and we've got to ask him to see what he learned. Then we can profit by his, of what he has learned. Are we together? So that means, as a man, your family has got to profit from your experience. He tells us, now don't go, don't go and do this because I did that. My father told me not to do it because I did it. It caused this thing to happen to me, something bad. That's what your father will teach you. Will say, this was exactly what I wanted to do. I did it, and this were the consequences. My child, don't do that. He's providing leadership based on the experience. Then he, and that is why, young girls, the greatest asset that God can give you upon the face of the earth, if you are blessed to have a father, is the father. Remember, your father was a boy, and he knows how the mind of a boy operates. And if your father, if, if a boy cannot pass, that's what the scripture number 30 says, if you make a vow and your father hears of your vow, your father's got a scriptural right to say, I decline, and that vow will not stand. Why? Why would God entrust the father with such a scriptural responsibility? It's because the father can see through the boy. Ah, he, can, he, can, he can charm the mother, but he will never charm the father. The father's eye are very penny. I, I mean, if you are a very sober man. Uh, these things, they are subjective depending on how, what caliber of man you are. But a, a father, they, there's a certain look that he gives the boy. I tell you, if that boy is not genuine, the father will see through that. No, no, no. They, we don't have gold here. We've got copper. Uh, hallelujah. Are you still with me? And when your father says no, consider it a blessing. And sisters, I'm going to say it. Do you allow me to preach? You know, when girls get into trouble, the first people that they know that they are in trouble is the, is the mothers. I was talking to a brother. The other brother said, hey, pastor, if such and such boy would want to marry my daughter, I want you to agree with me. You must say no. I say, oh, hang on. You are just simply saying I must say no now. But wait until the boy comes through your wife and convinces your wife. You are the very one that will come into my office and say, let's make a plan. <laughs> are you still with me? Amen. Now, then he says, after the, mother, then the, after the mother leads us, till a time we've got to get a little wisdom to understand. From daddy, then we get, then we get another. Then we get another, another leader. That's a teacher, a good school teacher. So it starts with the mother, it moves to the father, then it moves to the teacher. And a lot of times, sometimes the mother can get it right, the father can get it right. Sometimes we've got to admit some teachers can get it wrong. 
I actually wanted to go and see one teacher that I've had speaking to his children, telling them that it is impossible to be a medical doctor. Then I said, I had much better speak to that teacher that she has got no business teaching our children anything. If you're going to tell our children that you cannot be a medical doctor, then you're not a teacher. Are you still with me? A real teacher brings out the best in the children, tells them that they can be what they set their mind to it. Are we together? I hope we are together. Then she tries to teach you and give you education, this is the teacher, to fit you to fit you better in life for a place, a position you can read your Bible, you can read the song, you can learn of God and read yourself. Then another thing, maybe you'll have a business, somebody write you a letter, mama, daddy, somebody write you a letter, you couldn't read. So the teacher, she has you then, she leads you to learn to read and to write. It's a good thing, a good teacher to teach you right. But now after you leave that, after you leave the teacher, one teacher after the other, are you still with me? Now we say from the primer, a little first grade until you get out of high school or go to college. Then when you leave college, then the teacher is through leading you. Mama has taught you to walk. Papa, Papa has taught you how to be brilliant and nice young men and how to take care of yourself and behave yourself. The teacher has taught you an education, how to read and write. But now you are leaving Papa, you are leaving Mama, and you are leaving the teacher. Now somebody has got to take you from here on. And who do you want to take you from there on? And the congregation says, Jesus. Are you still with me? That means, that means the mother, the, this, this, everything has got at the end goal. The mother hands over to the father. The father hands over to the teacher. The teacher hands over to Jesus Christ. Are we together? Now, now, hear me out, young people, and especially those that have matriculated. Some of you will be going to varsity. Varsity life can be a very great moment, a great phase in your life, but it can as well be a terrible time and it can mess up your life and you may never recover for the rest of your life. Who, what do you need? You need Jesus Christ. He will make you make the right decision. So, Brother Branham was simply showing you that we are all led. Are we together? And everyone has got to be led. Are you still with me? Now, he comes, he says, and I'm, uh, I'm not on that. I was just showing the young people and showing the process of life as well. Uh, I, think, I think the greatest thing that a, t- a, a preacher would want to hear, it is not after the sermon to say the sermon was great, but it's somebody to say, I've heard I'm going to do something about it. Are, are you with me? Now, Jesus says, but it shall not be so among you, But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. So that means in leadership, when we speak about leadership, the twisted mind is that a lot of people think that a leader must be saved, but actually a leader must serve. Are you still with me? The moment a leader is saved, it's dictatorship. But when the leader serves, that is a true servant, servant-wood leadership. Are we together? Now, 
and, and, and Brother Bram says in this message, and the greatest thing that you can ever do as an individual is self-leadership. You've got to lead yourself as an individual. You've got to have certain principles and values that guide you as an individual. And when those values and principles are compromised by any environment, you must be able to disengage yourself from that environment and say, it's not in line with my principles. It's not in line with my values. Are you here, young people? Are you still with me? Now, but when it comes to that, you've got to be, we live it during a time where people are no longer genuine. The, the, the originality is a great price because they, we live during a time where this one imitates that one and that one imitates that one. And we see it even in a church environment. People are not comfortable to be themselves. Are we together? A preacher wants to preach like a pastor. The pastor wants to preach like a bishop. The preacher wants to preach like a Presbyterian. Another one wants to preach like a brother. Brother, brother Bram say, be who you are. Yeah. Are you with me? In the message Adoption, paragraph 51, he says, Now, this is my purpose of doing this. The church is always trying to take somebody else's corner. But don't you do that. You can never raise corn in Ephraim's corner if you are Manas. You've got to take your place in Christ positionally. Take it. Are you still with me? So that means... Everyone in the, body, in the body ministry, everyone has got their role. Everyone has got their position. My position in the body can never be replaced by anybody. Your position in the body can never be replaced by anybody. And when you're in the body, don't want to be like somebody else. Just be what God called you to be. Are you still with me? And Brother Brandon says in this message, I continue with that in the message Influence, paragraph 63. He says, we mustn't try to impersonate anyone. Just be what you are. And that's the way God made you. You never, you never fashioned yourself. And remember, as much as we ministers, we like to take Billy Graham's place, we cannot do it. Neither can Billy Graham take our place. That means no one can take your place. And you can never take somebody's place. And if you want to be frustrated in the body, Attempt to take somebody's place. It will frustrate. It will make you, well, your hair go gray quicker. Because why? That's not your role. That's not your position. But when you operate in your position, it, no, it is no longer, it becomes effortless. Because why? You are led by the Spirit. If God called you to be a janitor, be a janitor. And serve in the best possible way. I mean, the other time I saw a clip of a, a certain man, a young woman, a woman had come to church. She was busy cleaning church, cleaning the yard, and another man was there. And immediately after she was done, she meets this other gentleman on the church yard. And as they were speaking, this man looked at this woman that was looking very dead because she was cleaning the church. And he extends, he gives this woman his business card. And the woman gives back this young this man her business card. So when the man looks, he realizes that actually the woman was quite somebody very senior in the society. Then his, his jaw dropped and said, then what are you doing? He says, listen, let me tell you, the greatest is the one that saves. Amen. Are you still with me? And even here in the message, the greatest is the one that saves. And what is beginning to lack in the message as well is authentic service. Everyone wants to be saved, but no one wants to save. 
But I want to tell you, if you want to get double honor in the kingdom of God, serve. And when we say serve, serve diligently, serve willingly, serve with your all. Are we together? And let me, how do you know that you're not serving with your all? Whatever, if you can do something and complain that why somebody is not doing it, that means it is not in you. Because if it is in you, you don't care who joins you or who doesn't join you. You do it anyhow. Are you still with me? I hope we are together. He says, then, see, we each one has something to do. The common little fellow here that may be a janitor, the little woman that may be a housewife, the greatest minister on the face of the earth today could not take your place. If you are a housewife and it is your God-given position, not even the greatest minister upon the face of the earth can take your position. But how many times whenever God called us into certain roles, because of the demon of comparison, we say, ah, why can I be this? Why can't I be that? And the moment you try to be something else, then it creates a sense of envy. And when it creates a sense of envy, it moves you out of your position. And when you're out of your position, you become vulnerable to demonic attack. If you are not a preacher, and you attempt to be a preacher, demons are going to deal you with you the way he, they deal with preachers. I, I, I once told you about two gentlemen that wanted to come a flash and wanted to be a zebra. And they put a zebra costume and they moved in and the zebras were there and they moved among the zebras and the zebra, because there were two of them, one became the legs and the, uh, the head, the first part of the body, the other one became the bottom of the body and they were just moving around the zebras. And as they were moving around the zebras, real lions came. Now, the real zebras, because why? They are capacitated to run away from danger. They took a leap and jumped and ran and disappeared. Now, those two guys, one lion just came and snatched the costume and they were exposed. Fortunately, there were people there with guns. They were able to rescue them. What is happening? To the lion, the, the lion didn't say, those guys are acting as a zebra. The lion said, these people are a zebra. And we approach them the way a zebra must be approved. So whatever you say you are in the kingdom of God, be genuine on that because the devil is not going to be very kind. Are you a message believer? Be a message believer. Are you a preacher? Be a preacher. Are you a pastor? Be a pastor. Are you a deacon? Be a deacon. Are you a trustee? Be a deacon. Whatever you are, be it genuine. Because the devil's attack are going to be genuine on your, on your road. Are you still with me? Now, God had a purpose in making you what you are. You just serve God in that way that he made you. And a lot of, and, and when you've got a role, when you've got a role, there are people that would want to come and demean you in your role, to make you envious to where they are. Because some people, if you are at a housewife and they are something else, they think that all people must be like that. Every person is called differently, folks. And again, I want to drive it this way. That's why in this church you'll realize we are giving you more room 
to lead your family because certain things are not prescriptive. You need to be led as an individual in your family. We are not going to attempt to manipulate and shame people and make people feel guilty. We trust that people can make right decisions when they are led by the Holy Ghost. Are you still with me? That is why certain things, I cannot be a blanket approach that all people must, we are not communists, that all people must be this way. It doesn't work like that. Every case has got its own merits. So that means if you are not working as a sister, your housewife, don't be offended when another sister is working. Are you still with me? And don't try to say, and even you, brother, if your wife is not working, don't come and make it a gospel. Every sister must not work. No. Where are you taking that from? Wasn't it Brother Sister Mida that had to work one time to help Brother Brenham? Because there were certain issues in the family that they knew what they were going through. There are certain, everything has got merits. Are we together? That is why, that is why, when you come into my office, the greatest thing that you can ever frustrate you as an individual is to try to influence me as a pastor to try to adopt a certain generic view when it is not generic. Every case has got individual merits. Did, did I make myself clear? Amen. Are you aware of things that happened in the ministry where people thought certain things must be generic? Amen. I hope we are together here. It says, and I think if we would just do that, the wheels, the wheels would roll a lot easier. If we will just do that, whoever, be whatever that God called you to be, Brother Bram says, I believe the wheels will just roll easier. Are we together? Now, leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, I want to read something here. Brother Branham says, a leadership produces results. If you are under leadership, the leadership shapes who you are, and you become a product of that leadership. But Brother Branham, this Branham, I consider him to be my spiritual leader, not him per se, but the Holy Ghost in him. And I'm proud of the results that his ministry produced in the end time. Brother says in the message, Gadish Bania, paragraph 74, he says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to jerk you, shake you, or jerk the height from you, but I wish to preach the truth. There is one thing about it, brother. The truth will never make you popular, but the truth will make you honest. Are you with me? So that means when we speak about leadership, God doesn't want to be popular with you. He wants to be honest with you. God's servant does not want to be popular with you. He wants to be honest with you. Because there is somewhere, if you are a shepherd, let me just give an example. Example is when a pastor wants to be a man pleaser. If you try to please everybody, you are not going to get anybody anywhere. And actually, great leadership is the one that makes you uncomfortable because it drives you. You must grow. And I'm going to read a quotation where Brother Brown says, many a time, there are many frustrations in a leader's heart. We are going to, and I will tell you what the word frustrations mean. Not frustration, frustrations. Are we together? Now, and we will we'll come to that. Maybe while well, edit, let's go to it. 
Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. I think he preached that in this message. Do you love the prophet? In the message, Revelation Book of Symbols, paragraph 96, he says, you know, leaders sometimes, you know, paragraph 96, you know, leaders sometimes go through things that the congregation don't know what they are going through. That means when you are a leader, there are battles that you fight. But those battles, not everybody participates in those battles. Are you here, brothers? Even in your family, as a leader of your family, there are certain battles that you fight that your wife may not be aware of. Let me tell you, sister, there are certain battles right now that your husband is fighting, but he cannot give you a total picture because why? It may disorientate you. What am I? Are there brothers in this house that know what I'm talking about? And if, if you are the kind that whenever you are in a battle, you rush home to tell your wife everything, you're going to give that woman a nervous breakdown. Rather find another man to say, look, things are tough. And when you go to your wife, you go with the solution that there is the battle, but we are going to become victorious, and this is the way out. I know some men, they get retrenched. The wife only knows after a while when the man comes and says, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually being retrenched, but actually I'm going to resign because I found another job. And the sister says, why didn't you tell me that you were getting retrenched? Let me tell you something. There is a way that a man releases the information when he fights the battle. Because why? When you fly the flight, an aeroplane as a pilot, when you see a problem, you don't sound on the intercom that, listen, folks, I don't think you're going to make it. Uh, do you understand what I'm talking about, folks? A captain, sometimes, you've got to absorb pressure. That is why we men in the church, we need one another. And uh, that is why when you are a man and another man confides in you about the battles, then you go and drink coffee with your wife and say, you don't know, that man is struggling. You are actually not normal. And your day is coming. Are you with me? Real men, they pray together. Real men, they support one another. And no man in this church must ever be able, may ever be afraid to come into the pastor's office or approach the deacons and say, guys, I think I'm very fighting this battle, but I don't think I'm winning. But I've not told my wife, how can you help me? Because while we're a family, we're here to support one another. Are you still with me? This, uh, this life, it is harsh. It is cruel. You cannot live it in isolation. You need other men that can partner with you in prayer and give you the moral support. There is nothing as, as good as when you are in a battle. Then you tell your fellow, you are in a circle and say, this is the battle. And they tell you that, look, don't worry, we're going to overcome. And if anyone ever laughs at your wound, it's the quickest way that you need to get them out of your life. If you keep them longer, it's your own endeavor. You know, leaders sometimes go through things that the congregation no, no, don't know what they are going through. When you think of promises God has made, then why, uh, then why don't it come to pass? 
then they don't tell their congregation. They don't tell the people they associate with. But there's many frustrations. Frustration, it means agitation, being unsettled, being restless in the heart of every leader. Why, why, why Brother Brenham says, not just leader, but a real leader? A real leader wants a family. If, if, you, if you serve under a pastor, there is a vision that the pastor has in terms of how your family needs to be like, over and above the vision that your own husband has. There is a certain vision that your pastor has about your children. There is a certain vision, and sometimes in this journey, I met a lot of time where people have been in certain ministries, I say, they've got horrible advices, and they cannot even recover in life because of terrible advices that they got. The brother that gave a testimony here told you about how he left the message. The reason he left the message was because of chaotic leadership. Leadership, there are many people, if I was to say, raise your hand, how many people have been wounded by a church? Not a church in a denomination, but a church in the message. Some will raise their hands. What is happening? We've got for every fake leader, for, for every genuine leader, there is a fake leader. Are you still with me? Me, I'm not going to keep my frustrations in my heart. Me, I talk because I don't want to die with that attack. Are we together? If something doesn't make me happy, I talk. If it makes uncomfortable, at least I've let it out, I can sleep at night. What makes me to be flustered as a leader is when somebody does not grow. After, because we labor, we go and search quotations, we come here, we preach until we are blue in the face. When you don't grow, it frustrates me as a leader. Or it flusters me, it makes me agitated and settled. And that is why, Brother Ram say, I don't have much hope for a pastor's church that has got no ambition to better themselves. Sometimes, if, sometimes I've risked a lot of relationships in here in how I preach, but, and I don't care because what is happening, I've got your best interest at heart. As your leader, I know that if you take a certain path and that path is not altered, it's going to lead to destruction. But I've got to have a backbone and risk my relationship with you to tell you it's wrong. And if your leader has got no backbone to tell you wrong, maybe he's a wrong leader. If your mother does not have a backbone to tell you, young girl, that you are wrong, maybe she's not a real mother. If your father cannot tell you that you are wrong, then it's not a real. And actually, we test relationships when we correct one another. Are you here? Amen. 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 Now, Brother Brenham says in this message, I want to read it in, it is in the Church Age book. He says, have you noticed how, I'm working towards closing, don't worry. Have you noticed how the people who lead others astray bind them closely to themselves by fear? And I'm saying, if it ever comes a point in time where you as an individual, you fear a leader, something is wrong. Because behind a demon of fear, a wrong doctrine before it comes, it creates an atmosphere of fear first. Brother Brenham 
a prophet vindicated by the pillar of fire. Who once he has preached, an angel came down and drew the seven church ages. He used to say, brethren, if you see me doing anything wrong or anything that my family does, approach me and correct me. I will take it as a brother. That's our prophet. But today we've got leaders. You cannot correct them anyway. There's an English word. They are incorrigible. You cannot correct them in any way. They are right through and through. And the moment you become right on everything, there is a demon of superiority complex. And it's going to kill you. Even you as an individual, be a person that accepts correction. If somebody says, look, my sister, I think the way you did it, it was not right. Be the first person to say, I'm very sorry. I will do it right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you can say, I'm sorry, not because you are wrong, but because you are mature. You want to save that individual at that given situation. Can I get an amen? You are looking at me strange, but this is what the gospel teaches. It says the righteous shall die for the unrighteous. Jesus Christ was not wrong, but he died for the wrong people. And when he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. That's the maturity of a Christian. Are you still with me? But if you are the kind that says, me, I'm going to be right. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to, ah, I tell you, you're going to be in so much in trouble. And if you realize that sometimes a wrong action can provoke a wrong reaction, and a wrong reaction is equally wrong to the very initial action. If somebody swears at you and you swear back, you, have, you belong in the same group. And Brother Brahma says, if you, are, if you are being attacked and you keep quiet, then God is going to come in and step in. But if you, if you are attacked and you are the kind to say, I will avenge myself, goodness, God is not going to get into your businesses. He says, they say that if people don't do what they say, or if they leave, then destruction will follow. There are some ministers you think that they've got a contract with Satan. As soon as you disagree with them, it's like they sanction Satan and say, go and destroy so and so. How many know what I'm talking about? They are false prophets. For a true prophet will always lead one to the weight and bind the people to Jesus Christ. He won't tell the people to fear him or what he says, but to fear what the weight says. Notice how these people like Judas are out for money. There's going to be an appetite for money. And remember, the love of money is the root of evil. I hope you won't misquote it and say money is the root of evil. The love of money is the root of evil. Obsession with money. They get you to sell all you have and give it to them in their schemes. Some have been victims here in the message where a man says, I saw a vision. You need to sell your house and give half of the house money to me. False prophet. A real man of God will never create a scenario that is burdensome to you. They spend more time on offerings 
than the weight. We are seeing it. Shaming people that they have not given much, as much money as they wanted. I know of a minister that threw coins on the floor and said, I will not accept this. Not in the denomination, in the message. Money. Are you still with me? And while on money, there is a, the deacons have told me about people, visitors that normally come and ask believers money. Don't ever give anyone money who's a visitor. Refer them to a deacon. Can I get an amen on that? I'll actually read a quotation on Sunday to address that specific thing. When we have gathered here, we are gathering for the weight. If a visitor comes and is in need, the deacons, they will investigate the need. Brother Brenham actually says if a guy stops by here and he's got a flat tire, he walks in here and he comes, he tells us, we can decide to say whoever's got money, put it in the collection and we help the poor fellow. But it has to be done through the elders of the church. Because if it is not done like that, then you've got corn men and women that come here to rob people money. Can I get an amen on that one? If anyone wants money, refer them to the deacons. Amen. Amen. Those who attempt to operate gifts will make use of a gift which has a margin of error in it and then ask for money and neglect and neglect the weight and, and call it of God, excuse me. And people will go to them and bear with them and support them and believe them, not knowing it is the way of death. Yes, the land is full of carnal impersonators. Here's a strike. The land is full of carnal impersonators. In that last day, they will try to imitate that prophet messenger. The seven sons of Sceva tried to imitate Paul. Simon the sorcerer tried to imitate Peter. Their impersonations will be carnal. They won't be able to produce what the true prophet produces. I want to read that one. They won't be able to produce what the true prophet produces. When he says the revival is over, they will go around claiming a great revelation that the people have is exactly right and God is going to do bigger and more wonderful things amongst the people. The people will fall for it. This same false prophet will claim that the messenger of the last day is not a theologian. So he ought not to be heard. They won't be able to produce what the messenger can produce. I want you to stay with that statement. They won't be able to produce what the messenger can produce. Have you observed that people that are bringing wrong doctrines, they don't take it to the people out in the world. They want to convert people that are already in the message because they cannot produce what this messenger has produced. They want to pervert what he has already produced. How, how, how do you get a, a, a man from the street and convince him that you are an eighth messenger? There's no scripture that you can use. But you've got to first say, God sent the prophet. 
And once they accept the prophet, then you come and manipulate what the prophet has taught to introduce yourself. Because why? They cannot produce what the messenger has produced. They won't be vindicated by God as that last day prophet is. What is going to happen? They will take reflections of the sun through the window and call it a pillar of fire. Like so, Sister Lois would know because they take photography. They know there is sometimes where you take a reflection. The pastor is in a reflection, then he says, no, I was in the pillar of fire. But your prophet says, stay away from that pillar of fire. That pillar of fire is not a gimmick. When it appears, it's for a specific purpose. I don't want to be vindicated because the message is already vindicated. This message is already vindicated, folks. We have got, even we as a church, we must not want to be vindicated. We are following a vindicated messenger. We are following a vindicated message. There is no more need for vindication unless it is for selfish motives. If you don't believe what we preach, even if the angel was to come this evening and replace me and preach mouth from lip to ear, you won't believe it. You'll say it's a ghost. Because why? It's already vindicated. And if you are a real believer, what does Jesus say? Blessed Thomas are those that believe, even though they have not seen. Why? They know these things is the truth. We're speaking about leadership. But with their great swelling weights, and with the weight of their worldwide notoriety, they will warn the people not to hear that man, messenger. They will say he teaches wrong. They are running exactly true to their fathers, the Pharisees, who were of the David, for they claimed that both John and Jesus taught an error. These are the people that are coming after Brother Brennan. What is their purpose? It is to pervert what the messenger has already taught. Now, as I'm about to close, the greatest among you, let him be the one that serves. If you want to get favor with God, serve his people. Not half-heartedly, diligently. Are you still with me? When you do that, you get an honor with God. And I'm talking on when Sunday I was talking about different generations. The young generation does not understand the importance of saving. They think it's about showmanship. But when you serve the children of God, they've got to be a mutual respect on how you serve them. Because you don't serve them, you serve God. You don't become substandard. You really give out your best. Because how will you serve God that you don't know if you don't serve his children that you see? How will you love God that you don't see if you don't love the children of God that you see? Are you together? If you're going to serve the children of God, understand that they are part of royalty. There is a way to serve them. And you serve them with diligence, with commitment, and you give out your best. 
Why are we here every why why am I here every Wednesday, Sunday? It's not because maybe I see fancy faces faces in the chair. It is because I respect you. It's because I take what you believe seriously. It's because I know you mean business with God. And if I'm gonna save you, I've got to mean business with God. Are we together? And the greatest, if we say the person is greatest, is not the pastor. Titles, if, if you are a real leader, titles mean absolutely nothing. Real leaders don't need titles to serve. They serve without titles. Are you still with me? And everyone here has been called to serve. And in your corner, when you serve, serve diligently. Give out your best and say, God, you deserve the best. I will give out the best. But a lot of times we give God substandard service. Are you still with me? But may God be gracious. And I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself as well. And I've reviewed, I've asked myself, am I saving as best as I can? And I think there is a room for improvement on how I need to serve the children of God. I need to serve them the best way possible so that God can see that I take him seriously because I take his children seriously. Are we together? And that is leadership. And the church is not under the leadership of me. It is under the leadership of the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost in the main that is leading the church. Are you still with me? And everyone here, in their own right, in your families, you are a leader. Be the best leader in your family. You sisters, Brother Brenham says you are the fifth gospel. There is a way to lead your children. And the greatest thing that you can do, show them that God comes first. The reason we are losing young people is because young people have observed and they have observed and they know very well. In most of our families, God is secondary. God is by the way. And I've said many a times, if you don't have family prayers, subconsciously you are saying to your children, God is not important in this family. But imagine whenever the family comes together and the father says to the children, say, we've got a pressing need. This is what we need from God. Everyone, when you pray, remember this need. Then the children know that in this family, whenever there is a need, we go to God. And when God answers, you come as a family and say, we want to give thanksgiving to God. He has answered us as a family. That will go millions of miles away to, 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 to help the children. Does it make sense, folks? I hope it does. In closing, when you leave, everyone in some corner is observing you. There is a certain person that you not know, but you are influencing them. Make sure that your influence is right. God bless you, Rishni. Let's just stand to our feet and sing a worshiping song and wrap up in prayer. Amen. Sing us a worshiping song, Brother Philip. If you can just come. Oh, Brother Philip, motherfuckers are good to see you. God bless you. Been trying to track you down last time we spoke. A few weeks back, so I've been trying to phone you. Couldn't 
get a hold of you. We are happy that you are back and you travel safely. Amen. Brother Philip Andrew, if you can come and wrap up in prayer for us, just give us a worshiping song. Once again, Lord, that we could have attended, Lord, this inspired word that has come forth, Lord. Mm. Realizing, Lord, that you are teaching us, you are leading us. You're the great shepherd, Lord, that is bringing us closer to yourself, Lord. Showing us your attributes, Lord, that that you have poured into us, Lord. That we may become leaders, our Lord. Our leadership is so important, Lord, in this time that we're living in, Lord. Such a corrupt world, Lord. So much evil going on in this world today, Lord. We need to be leaders, our Lord. And, oh, Lord God, we say thankful, Lord, for the prophet that you sent, our Lord. We're just grateful, Lord, that we can receive the word, Lord God, from the prophet, Lord, as you said. If we can receive the prophet, we receive you, our Lord God. Mm. And we're grateful for what has happened tonight, Lord. Help us, Lord, to listen to what has been said, our Lord God. Help us to, as, a, as our pastor has said, we must better ourselves. Yes. Watch every step we take and see where we are coming mm. from, Lord. 
in our own families, our Lord, our own partners, Lord, know us best, our Lord God. Mm. And oh Lord, we just ask us, Lord, ask you, Lord, that you may just help us in this area, Lord. Yes. Be with us further, Lord, Thank and let us so just think about these things. Go home, Lord, and just come and just ask, Lord, that help us, Lord, in our short in our shortcomings, our Lord. May your will be done further, Lord. We pray for those that couldn't make it this, this evening, Lord. We mm. bless them, Lord, and help us all, Lord, to stand in unity. And Lord, to, on Sunday when we come back, waiting, Lord, to, to receive another so message from you, Lord God. Go with us now, we ask you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. What a friend we have in Jesus. And then thereafter, you'll be dismissed. Amen. Let's sing it in a worshiping song mode, and thereafter you'll be dismissed. Still our refuge.